What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Tuesday to you. Tuesday, as you know, on this podcast are Twitter Tuesdays, and I spend the entire show reflecting on the comments, questions, takes that you send in regarding the Buffalo Bills each and every Tuesday. A sincere thank you to anyone who took the time or has ever taken the time to send me something. You guys always fill this show up, and I'll never take for granted that uh, you guys value my opinion and, and want to hear my opinions on things that you're curious about. So uh, that'll that'll never be normal to me or common or anything I take for granted. So I really, 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 truly, sincerely appreciate taking the time to send these in. If you want to have your items addressed on a Twitter Tuesday, hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at the Joe Marino. The hashtag is Twitter Tuesday, so make sure you include both in your tweet. That way I can keep everything organized and make sure I get to everything sent in. You can also send me an email. Plenty of people do this every week as well, so you can send me an email. Uh, the address is joe at thedraftnetwork.com, and I'll get it that way as well. So don't be shy. Get them in, and let's make sure we keep this Tuesday thing buzzing throughout these long weeks before training camp. Let's get started. Mike? Cristiano says, hey, Joe, I'm sending in my Twitter Tuesday now before I forget. Good idea. If you, you don't have to wait until Monday or Sunday or Tuesday to send them in, get them in as soon as you think of them. Uh, but I'm listening to One Bill's Drive right now, and they're discussing surprise breakout players for this year. Got me thinking, who was your surprise breakout player from last year? I think Milano would be a strong candidate, but honestly, he showed flashes his rookie year too. Then you have both UDFAs and Wallace and Foster. That's not even including both Allen and Edmonds. That's a lot of promise with this team. Who's your guy? Uh, And then Mike also says, also, can we get some recognition that Josh Allen tied the rookie record of most touchdowns in a single game against the Dolphins in Week 17? Deshaun Watson did it and got headlines. When Allen did it, he got nothing. And so there you go. There's your recognition, Mike. You you made light of that. Um, As far as my breakout guy from last year, I'm going back to a tweet that I put out on July 26th, 2018. I did this for every single team where I listed superlatives. And my breakout guy for the Bills was John Miller. Um, I guess that was kind of right. I think he had his best season as a pro last year. He was the Bills' best offensive lineman last year, and he signed a three-year deal to be a starter for the Bengals. So, I don't know that I was wrong. Now there was there was better choices, right? I could have picked like you know uh, Robert Foster or you know even I guess Matt Milano truly broke out last year. Uh, those would have been good choices, but I, I don't think I don't think I missed the mark too badly there. So who's my breakout guy for 2019? That's interesting. Um, you know, I think I think what's interesting about that question is that like the Bills have pretty much a known commodity at every starting position. So I'm not sure that like a starter is truly going to emerge. I kind of want to say Saran Neal, but I did that already. You know, I, I had an entire podcast basically where I talked about how Saran Neal could be like a breakout candidate and really fill a big role in sub packages. Uh, so I don't want to like give you that answer again, but I, I'll go with Teron Johnson. 
Bill's starting slot corner, I thought he was really good last year. I think he'll put it all together this year, and the Bills will feel like they have one of the better slot nickel guys in the league. Really good in man and zone coverage, super physical, has ball skills, coming off that injury. So if there's a guy that I really think will take his game from, hey, we think this guy's pretty good, to, wow, this is one of the better players uh, at his position, I think that could be Teron Johnson in 2019 for the Buffalo Bills. Bryce Clark says, if John Brown doesn't perform to expectations in our offense, say roughly 600 yards, would you be okay with drafting a receiver like Oklahoma's C.D. Lamb in the first round, assuming that other important positions are taken care of through free agency or trade? Um, Let's see here. Uh, Would I be okay with taking a a first-round receiver? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't hate that at all. C.D. Lamb's a special football player. We're going to have to take this year to figure out if the Bills are okay with this assembly of wide receivers or if they truly need that guy they funneled the passing game through. And it could be a situation next year. I mean, there are a ton of good receivers, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but you have guys like LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. You got Jerry Judy from Alabama. You mentioned CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. Those are like really special football players. And so... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be mad if the Bills were to get any one of those players. Um, so I think we need to learn. We need to learn what this offense does without a true alpha and see if it's something that's missing that they need to get. We're going to learn a lot this year, this offseason, or this this season to to figure that out. But, I mean, CeeDee Lamb's probably going to be like a top 10 talent. So I, I, I'd imagine that he'd, he'd be good value. And so, you know, with next year, I don't know that the Bills will be – overly glowing with any needs in, in any one particular area. The roster is pretty well set. Um, and so the Bills could be in position to just take literally the best player available. And I know that they'll always tell you that, but I mean, literally that could be the case. Andrew Kennedy says, Hey Joe, I know everything kind of points to the Bills offensive skill positions, not having a pro bowler this year, but I still think there will be one. Our top four receivers are a mix of two young guys with something to prove. Beasley, who has a message to send, and Brown showing he's not an afterthought. Also a mix of young, exciting talent and veteran players with something to prove a running back and tight end. Do you think we will have a pro bowler on offense or no? And if so, who would your best bet be? Uh, If you made me guess, I would tell you that I don't think the Bills will have a pro bowler on offense in 2019. If you made me pick one, I would tell you that it would be Mitch Morse, the center. Uh, I think the Bills will have a good offense in 2019. And I'm not sure that that's statistically going to show up for any one of the skill guys. Maybe Josh Allen, maybe. Uh, but Mitch Morse, given his contract, given how I think he'll get a lot of credit for the unit, really really shifting and becoming a better group, uh, I, think, I think Mitch Morse is really in good position to be the Bills Pro Bowler if they were to have one on offense. James DeSantis says, Do you think this 2019 Bills roster Overall, is more talented than the drought-breaking team. Uh, more talented than every Bills team since? Interesting question, James. I like this one a lot. I think this team is way more talented than the Bills in 2017. Way more talented. I don't think that's even a question. I don't think it's the most talented team that the Bills have had in the drought era. I think that is the 2015 Buffalo Bills. This roster was stacked. This is a double-digit win roster. However, Rex Ryan is a terrible, terrible football coach, and he could not win with that roster. Let's take a look at it. At receiver, Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, 
Chris Hogan, Marquise Goodwin, Percy Harvin, Marcus Easley, Deontay Thompson. What? That is a great... Sammy Watkins getting $18 million a season. Robert Woods is uh, one of the better receivers in the NFC. Marquise Hogan, Marquise Goodwin is... Uh, really emerged in, in, with San Francisco, and Chris Hogan is really good for your number four guy. The offensive line, Cordy Glenn, Richie Incognito, Eric Wood, John Miller, and Sontrell Henderson. Okay, good group. Tight end, Charles Clay. Quarterback, Tyrod Taylor. Fullback, Jerome Felton, and running back, LaShawn McCoy. This is a really good offense. On defense, Mario Williams, Marcel Darius, Kyle Williams, Jerry Hughes, your defensive line. Studs. Linebackers, Nigel Bradham, Preston Brown, Manny Lawson. Corners, Leotis McKelvin, Stephon Gilmore, Ronald Darby. And your safeties were Aaron Williams, Corey Graham. Your slot corner was Nickel Roby Goldman. How the crap did this team not make the playoffs? Your answer is Rex Ryan. That's the most talented team that the Bills have had since 99, in my opinion. Before we move on, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this just isn't for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. We thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. All right, the next one comes from Matt. Matt says, what's something about the NFL that you would change, whether it be rules or coaching philosophy? Um, I really hate some of the penalties that result in an automatic first down when you commit them on defense, like illegal contact. Illegal contact is an automatic first down. It could be third and 15, and illegal contact happens that has nothing to do with the play, and the, the team gets a first down. I hate that. I I didn't I go to the replay style that we saw with the AAF, uh, and then look at my piece that I wrote for the Draft Network on Monday. I talked about NFL divisional realignment. I shook up the entire structure of the divisions in the NFL, uh, and I put the Bills in a division with the Bills, Steelers, Browns, and Lions, which I think would be a really fun group, kind of nestled along Lake Erie there. Everyone's within about four to five hours of each other. Could be a really fun division. So I would subscribe to my entire plan to realign the divisions in the NFL. Ryan Stilla says, what year had the highest number of Williams on the roster? At the same time, please share the list of names with us if you find one. Well, I, I'm not, I didn't spend a lot of time trying to figure this out, but in that 2015 group, there were five Williams. You had Carlos Williams, Mario Williams, Kyle Williams, Aaron Williams, and Duke Williams all on the same team. So there's five Williams Perhaps there was another point in time in Bill's history where they had more, 
But uh, I didn't spend a whole lot of time really researching that, but I do remember the Williams in the 2015 season. All right, uh, next one here comes from Tom Swart. Tom says, Harrison Phillips had a solid rookie season in my opinion. I feel like the talk of his potential has been limited to a solid rotational one technique. What are your thoughts on his ceiling moving forward? Good question, Tom. I, I like Harrison Phillips. I don't love him. Uh, I thought he was a mid-round talent. I thought the Bills took him a little high for where I thought his skill set could be in the NFL. I don't think he's dynamic enough to be a penetration-style three technique, and so that kind of puts him into that that one-tech, that shade-type uh, technique uh, is where he kind of needs to play. Um, he's an effort guy. I love, his, I love how he really battles throughout every snap. I don't think he has the best functional strength at the point of the attack. He has some inconsistency holding his ground and really maintaining his run fits, and I don't know that he has a lot of juice as a pass rusher. So I think that's where you, you kind of get that notion that he's more of a rotational backup one-tech, and that's fine. I think that's a perfectly fine role for him. I just don't think there's a very high ceiling because I don't think his physical traits are all that exciting. He's, he's more of an effort guy, and I think a backup over the center is kind of where he profiles, in my opinion. So if you're looking for a more glowing review on Phillips, you probably won't get it from me, Tom. I think he's a perfectly fine rotational and rosterable player. I just don't know that his ceiling's all that high. David Foe says, who will be remembered more in Bill's history? Jerry Hughes or Aaron Schobel? Uh, you guys have heard me talk glowingly about Jerry Hughes for the last few months here on this podcast, but I'm here to tell you that Aaron Schobel is the player who should be remembered more. Aaron Schobel, 78 career sacks. Jerry Hughes, 42. I mean, he would he would have to have, like, I'm not a math guy. I'll try to do some math here on the spot. He'd have to have 36 sacks for the Bills uh, over the rest of his career, which would probably be two or three more seasons at the most, to, to match that 78 that Aaron Schobel had from 2001 to 2009. Uh, I, think, I, think he's, I think Aaron Schobel's one of my favorite players, really. I mean, if you go across the last 20 years for sure, but after Bruce Smith, I think the second-best pass rusher the Bills have ever had was Aaron Schobel. In terms of long, you know, both production and and over a sustained amount of time. I mean, you could probably make a case for some other guys, but talking about just what they did in the Bills uniform, Aaron Schobel after Bruce Smith, and I mean, it's it's a long way after Bruce Smith, but I think Bruce Smith is or Aaron Schobel is the second best defensive end in Buffalo Bills history. Let's move on here to Colt Carter. Colt says. What would be one position, excluding quarterback, that the Bills could trade for and get a superstar to make them a serious playoff contender right now? So when when I saw this question come through, Colt, the name that came to mind was Khalil Mack. Because I think that the Bears and the Bills, there's a lot of parallels between what's happened with both of those organizations. You know, Mitch Trubisky gets drafted, high in the draft. He's pretty raw coming out of North Carolina really crappy supporting cast, bad offensive line, bad weapons around him, a lot of criticism towards the Bears for not surrounding Mitch Trubisky, and then they really had an aggressive offseason where they improved the offensive line, improved the running back situation, improved tight end, improved wide receiver, and obviously brought in Matt Nagy, and Mitch Trubisky took a big step forward last year. And people were buzzy about the Bears, and thinking that they could potentially make a run in the NFC North, and they wind up going 12-4 and and winning the division. But what I thought really shifted the dynamics of that football team was Khalil Mack. 
that was the game changer. I mean, all that stuff mattered that I just mentioned, but what, what made that team, you know, a team that can compete for a winning record to a 12 and 4 team that won their division was Khalil Mack. And so I think the most important thing, if we're talking about the Bills as a playoff team in 2019, it's 100% on the right arm and the brain of of Josh Allen, right? The Bills are going to make the playoffs if Josh Allen evolves as a football player. That's more important. The Bills can add Aaron Donald tomorrow, and it won't matter as much as Josh Allen evolving as a football player. So with... With the unknown of what Josh Allen could be in, in this hypothetical situation being presented to me, it is a guy like Khalil Mack. Maybe it's exactly who it is. It's Khalil Mack. It's a defensive player with that type of game-changing ability that would be the the one player, the one superstar to push the Bills over the hump. But I think nothing is more important than Josh Allen's growth. Adam Nanini says, really like the quarterback prod. Thank you, Adam. Question for Twitter Tuesday. You mentioned that it's a red flag that Tyree Jackson didn't get drafted, but do you think it's partly because teams are carrying fewer quarterbacks and the position is gutted for the first time in a while in the league? I think that's a good point, Adam. I think it's something to consider. But look, I mean, I think it does say a lot that Tyree didn't get drafted. The, the NFL's not in the business of overlooking quarterbacks, right? They're just not. And for a player with his size, with his physical ability, with his arm talent, to not hear his name called and 255 picks, we had a long snapper drafted, dude. Like, I just don't think that says a lot about where the NFL perceives Tyree Jackson to be as a football player. Maybe draft guys, maybe UB fans or just fans in general have a certain opinion of Tyree Jackson, but the fact that he didn't get drafted doesn't bode well for the perception of him by the NFL. So I think it's an interesting point, Adam. I don't know that I agree because the Bill, I mean, any team would love to improve their quarterback situation, even if it's backup. And so the fact that teams are only carrying two quarterbacks, I don't think that's. I don't. I'm. I'm not putting that as a high-ranking reason as to why Tyree Jackson did not get drafted. Got a few more to get to here. Uh, Charlie says the Bills don't have a number one receiver. How much difference could we expect when compared to having four number two guys? Statistically, would a clear number one make a big difference, or is there a case for making a defense cover four number two quality guys? Um, you guys have heard me say this a ton. And I don't want to like spend a whole lot of time saying it because I feel like I have a lot. It, this this it's about spacing, and we're gonna like I said or actually earlier in this podcast, I don't think that we know right now how much of an impact not having a true number one receiver that you funnel the passing game through is going to make on this offense. But the spacing that's been created by the complementary skill sets of of Zay Jones, Cole Beasley, Robert Foster, and John Brown really creates a dynamic that's pretty fun for this offense. And and so we may go through this 2019 season and say, my God, the Bills better get them a guy, a true bona fide number one alpha wide receiver. Or we could say that, hey, look, this group, this mix of guys around Josh Allen, that could be interesting too. I'll, I'll tell you this also regarding this topic. I With our guest on Water Cooler Wednesday, I've already recorded it. We went heavy on wide receivers, and we went heavy on this topic. So without giving away too much from that discussion and kind of teasing a really good discussion that I think we had, 
make sure you check out Water Cooler Wednesday because we went deep into this very idea. Dan says, and this is the last one actually, the first four games of the season is usually when people start judging a team. 4-0 and and you're winning the Super Bowl, and 0-4, it's time to fire the head coach. How do you see the Bills' first four games going? Um, so the Bills' first four games, they got two on the road at the Jets, at the Giants, week one and two, and you have two at home against the Bengals and Patriots. Um, the first three games are winnable, right? So you can see a course to 3-0, and honestly. You have the Jets' new coaching staff. You have the Giants, who I think the Bills are a better football team than. The Bengals at home is a t- game you feel like the Bills really should win. I mean, the Bills could be 3-0 and after that stretch. I'm going to predict that they're 2-1. I think just because I'm smart enough after being a Bills fan for 30 years, I know, I know not to count on them doing everything you expect them to do. So I think the Bills will be 2-1 and after that stretch of three games, and they'll drop to the Patriots. will be 2-2. Two and two. Then they go to Tennessee. I think the Bills will be 3-2 and two heading into the bye week. That's, that's kind of how I would guess that first five weeks of the season before the bye week. And then, you know, we'll, we'll do this a few more times. I, I did it last week with Jordan Reed where we go game by game and talk about, you know, where the Bills record could be with some guests. And I'll, I'll plan on doing that a few more times uh, over the course of, of the offseason here as we, as we make our way to training camp. That's going to do it for us today here on this podcast. Make sure that you share, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Tomorrow is Water Cooler Wednesday. Love the discussion that I had with our guests, so don't miss that. And uh, we'll be back again for you for that Water Cooler Wednesday. Thursday, we'll keep talking about uh, expectations. We'll pick another position group and do a deep dive there and, of course, compare that, uh, that group that the Bills have with the rest of the division rivals in the AFC East. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys tomorrow.